Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the, uh, 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 why have I forgot my own podcast title? (laughs) Oh my god, okay. Welcome back to A Movement Worker's Guide to Astrology. Usually I start with a, um, quote and I forgot to do that so let me do it now um this is a quote from Walter Mercado um and it is I never rehearse to be myself Walter Mercado is a very famous astrologer psychic in the Spanish-speaking world um he has a documentary up on Netflix I think that I will be watching, if not tonight, sometime this week. Um, Adrian Marie Brown had posted this and I, it, it just fit perfectly. One of the other things that I did this week was that I um, pulled from uh, the I Ching, or which is the uh, an ancient um, Chinese divination tool, um, that is called the book of, I think it's the book of changes. Um, and I pulled a hexagram. Those are the, the units <laughs> or combinations that we find, um, our divination being sourced from hunger. 27 is the number 27 hunger, rejecting hunger, persisting brings misfortune in 10 years, never useful. This lacks a beneficial purpose. Not acknowledging one's desire. Going on with this makes things not going well. This can keep going on for years and it's really of no use. I think this is a great way to these two quotes to start um, this week's episode because we're going to talk a bit about performance versus embodiment. Um, I'm coming up on my one year, uh, anniversary since I went to the immersion strategy, um, immersion in Washington, DC. Of course I mentioned Adrian Marie Brown. Um, and all, so much has emerged from, from then. And I think one of the things that I was was curious about that I didn't necessarily learn about, um, at that time, but heard a lot was about performing, um, performing, performing, performing. And I think the language of performative has been, um, used heavily within the last couple of, um, I would say at this point months, you know, um, or month and a half, almost two months, um, around the response to the uprisings related to Black Lives Matter. And so I am on my own journey in terms of moving towards embodiment, um, and being able to understand what that means. Um, and moving towards embodiment requires a very raw honesty, um, that we have to have with ourselves that we don't usually have when we're performing. Um, so this, this quote from, or this hexagram number 27 from the I Ching, I think really captures 
what happens when we merge with a performance um, or an illusion rather than work to embody um, what truly matters and what you know truly is is important and what we truly value. This week is um, is a, is a difficult one because it will coax us, it will bend us, um, and and kind of contort us, and uh, you know, kind of like in yoga, how you have to really breathe into a stretch, you have to breathe into the flexibility or the full range um, uh, of of motion within your, that is possible within your body, right? And so there is an air of discomfort, right? It is, when it comes to yoga, it's not about being in pain, but it is about being able to move through discomfort to be able to expand um, the, uh, expand your body and its possibilities. I, I've often kind of talked about having this desire to expand outside of my body um, and I think yoga is the physical practice of that, but there is a, an emotional um, uh, embodied practice that is that as well that I think this week um, really is showing us. So again, this conversation about performance versus embodiment. So we're going to talk a bit about, um, well, a couple of words that I will define um, and that we'll talk about. And then I'll talk about the astrology and then I'll have a nice little snippet at the end in which I will tie all of this up in a nice, neat little bow since I did take notes this time. One of the things um, in this uh, conversation about performativeness um, that we see in the corporate world that we even see in our interpersonal relationships or circles that we're a part of or that we were once a part of, um, virtue signaling is the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral connectness, correctness of one's position on a particular issue. I think it's very, sometimes very difficult to <laughs> actually, no, I think it's hard for us to see that we're virtue signaling. Um, but I think it's very obvious to point it out. Um, and to see it when it happens. And virtue signaling, of course, is very performative. So as we're looking and waiting for people to show up, um, we're seeing people say the right things. We're seeing people post the right things. But when we're watching and seeing that their behavior is not changing or that they're not challenging themselves um, beyond posting something when it was popular to post it, you know, the red flag um, starts to wave um, in our heads and our minds. Um, but it's also being able to know for ourselves, if you can see that in other people, I then invite you to ask for yourself, where are you virtue signaling? I feel like even in being someone that publishes a podcast weekly and posts a lot of things, um, specifically related to what I, I care about, um, I can honestly say that I don't think that I do enough, right? And I don't think that I do enough within myself um, to embody these practices. And I can say that to myself compassionately without coming from a place of judgment, but being able to think for myself, you know, if I truly believe these things, what ways am I able to challenge those beliefs every single day? What am I willing to do? What conversations am I willing to have? Um, 
how am I willing to use my platform and use my interpersonal relationships that I'm building and the partnerships and collaborations that I have as a space to embody uh, the things that um, I care about and the things that are a part of my value system, right? So we've gotten very clear about our value system um, since Venus has went um, direct and we've had that opportunity to kind of snip away <laughs> all of the pieces and parts. I told you that when Venus is in a nice little sextile um, to Mars, it will be a really great opportunity for us to then really work to embody through our daily practices um, what we value. Setting those goals, right, to truly be in alignment with what we um, embody. And so right now, uh, Mars is following after, chasing after Venus. And so there is this approaching um, sextile that is there. Um, I do not know if it will ever be um, exact. I do not think it will. Um, I'm looking through the calendar right now. It looks like the closest that the two planets will get is going to be between like 10 and 13 degrees of each sign. And that will be sometime this week. So during this week, take advantage of this Venus um, sextile Mars energy that doesn't necessarily, will not feel complete because of the aspect will never um, be exact. Um, but it is, again, an opportunity. I love, that's why I love sextiles because they require effort for you to kind of step outside of your comfort zone, um, have difficult conversations with people, challenge yourself to truly embody what it is that you believe and what you value um, through, what, through your actions. To talk a bit about um, one of the other things that we've seen which goes along with what I just said is people really talking about like the idea of like accomplices versus allies. Like we really need people who are down for the cause. Right. And it's like, it, it makes perfect sense when we're dealing with things that for people are, are truly life or death. Right. Um, th that's what the stakes are when it comes to liberation, um, that's what the stakes are when it comes to equity and it comes to healing um, for people. Uh, it comes to people's right to be sovereign and be free within themselves um, and free externally. And so, of course, it's not just needing someone who's like, yeah, this is bad and I did these three things, but it's like, no, someone who has a consistent um, desire, um, and ability to fight alongside, uh, people who are facing injustice in whatever arena that you're being kind of called to. That being said, this week is very great for looking at and examining one's privilege in a way that will likely make us very uncomfortable. Whereas in Gemini season, when we first kind of experienced the beginning of these uprisings, privilege was kind of sitting in the background. 
Um, because again, the, all of the Gemini planets are, were in aversion to all of these planets that are in Capricorn that are showing us our privilege in relation to systems. Um, it's an opportunity to then be like, oh crap, like, especially through other people as which oppositions will typically bring to light, um, how privileged we truly are. And how there is so much more room for us to show up and how we do need to go further. We just do. And so how are we engaging in this process of unlearning and decolonizing in relation to privilege? And more importantly, not seeing privilege as a dirty word, right? Um, It's not something to feel bad about. It's not something to shy away from. It doesn't mean that your life hasn't been difficult for other reasons, but it does mean that there are reasons for which your life was not difficult, right? And having to really own that. The thing is this. So to talk about um, this week, actually, I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to pull up the newsletter that I published and then we'll get into talking astrology and then I'll have my notes and other offerings at the end. Hey there, you're listening to the Movement Workers Guide to Astrology to help support the production of this podcast and its creator, yours truly. I invite you to make a sustaining donation to my PayPal or book a reading. All proceeds go towards equipment, software, and an occasional workshop to enhance your listening experience All of that information can be found in the description box. Thanks for listening. Oh my God. Okay. I hope someone can hear me. I hope I can be heard. Um, I was recording into nothing and then this just, uh, I don't need to explain anyway. So... Basically, today we are experiencing the last quarter moon um, with the sun in Cancer, of course, and the moon sitting in Aries. Um, To talk about one of the aspects that kind of happened a little bit earlier in the day. So we experienced a trine between the sun in Cancer and the moon, I'm sorry, and Neptune in Pisces. And so I had sent out a newsletter maybe like two days ago in which I urged people uh, to be careful with what they merge with um, when it comes to merging with ideals. So we are in this period post-eclipse in which we have been asked to leave behind um, a lot of old stories and narratives, especially uh, specifically ones related to colonial ways of thinking and existing um, to create the possibility of a new world um, and to create the future. So, right, the future is dependent on us. Our present um, ability to liberate our minds from um, the colonial frameworks um, that seem to uh, run and operate them. That being said, you know, Neptune is so much about ideals and the things that we project um, onto other people. And I think the with 
Neptune being in Pisces there, there is this, uh, I will say innocence, but in a sense of like a naive form of innocence that can be very dangerous, um, that we often take on, um, in the ideals, um, that we push or move forward. It's not ever about logic, and lots of times it's it's idolizing something without necessarily understanding the breadth of what it means. So the thing about um, Neptune is that it has its connection to spirituality. And while we do not need to completely understand, let's give the example of something very large like God, we do not have to completely have an understanding of what God is to believe in it. Uh, but of course, when we believe in that and we meet other people who do um, and we have this ideal or idea present in our mind of what that is it can be easy to be taken advantage of and manipulated right we can see that in organized religion today Um, or in cults right where people believe in this thing and there's nothing wrong with them believing you know um, or or sensing or feeling into this thing that is unseeable we can think about that in terms of things like unity or love these really kind of big liberation these very large constructs that are like ooh, this is irresistible and amazing and yummy and i just want to be a part of it um and we can be led astray when we are not aware of what that truly asks us to embody so there is this needing to be careful um, about what you merge with, um, and having that awareness of potentially being, um, deceived by yourself or externally, um, when we are seeking an opportunity to chase or develop in, in terms of that, in, in relation to an ideal. And so it has to be very careful. We have to be very careful not to, um, merge with an illusion that keeps us trapped in a pattern that we just try to break free of, right? And so the quarter moon itself um, poses the challenge of reorienting our mind, especially through people, um, through whether it's we're learning from someone or we're experiencing having a conversation with someone or an argument, you know, whatever it might be in which we truly are challenged. Um, I'll read exactly what I said. The quarter moon on Sunday, which hosts the sun in cancer and moon in Aries offers a traumatic psychological reorientation in order to allow something new to come into the personal, the old personal pattern of behavior or attitude as said in the spiral of life. The emotional rawness of the Aries moon asks us to use our emotional boundaries to uphold our identity, but our identity is sometimes about who we were or thought we were. Is your desire to be an individual, just as a story where you isolate yourself from others to make it through colonial ideals, or is it a part of a radical shift towards embodiment of the true self? Does your eye serve the purpose of ushering in the highest good of all? Or are you still performing? Can we be free if freedom is a performance and not embodiment? No. So who are you performing as for your family? Who are you performing as because of your of feelings you've outgrown but won't let go? Who are you performing as because of your past? 
Who are you performing as because your eye has been denied? Who are you performing as for this country and capitalism? Who are you performing as for settler colonialism, right? And like, who are you performing as because other people are watching you and other people are challenging you, right? Um, That's the thing, right? With all of this is that this can easily become a performance because our peers are, are judging us rather than um, we are beginning to embody this because we believe deeply within our hearts that this is something that we should be doing. And so it is a moment in which we're really called, especially with the moon in Aries, where it's like, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you even stand for? And it's like, no, it, it is about what you feel, but it's also not about what you feel. Aries, moon and Aries is kind of like, fuck what you feel. What about what I feel? Right. And so it is really easy to when someone is challenging, <laughs> challenging us to be like, uh, you say you're about this thing. Are you really about this thing to be very defensive? Or even if we're having this experience in our own minds in which we're like, am I really about this? If I have this, if I think this, if I feel this and the answer is yes and no. That's the thing about squares and oppositions is that it's like. It's not either or, it's both. Both of those things are important, but we can only integrate one of those things at a time, right? So I think it's really great for Moon, with the Moon and Aries, to deal with the past um, because it then provides, again, the Sun and Cancer is ruled by this Aries Moon. Um, It has this opportunity for us to then say, ah, yeah. I resolved this issue of my identity and how I relate to other people and how I can be myself and others can be themselves. And I want to advocate for other people to be themselves just as much as I would like to be myself as well. And I would hope that other people would do the same for me. That being said, I know what I need to develop a an idea of how to embody my emotional needs and how they inform what I am passionate about and the things that I feel an obligation to the people that I feel an obligation to right there is this community caretaking mindset um, that we're invited to adopt during cancer season and it is not getting lost in what we feel to the point in which we get lost in other people and we become codependent, but it's also about not getting lost in what we feel to the point where we isolate ourselves from other people either. Again, going back to that sextile between um, the Venus and, um, and Mars, it's like, okay, given what we feel, Moon and Aries, ruling our Mars and Aries, ruled by Mars and Aries, you know, what is it that we can do? What is it that we can do to embody these values that we have now that we know, you know, this is what we value. This is who we do not or do interact with because of what we value. What's next? What do we go on to? To look at the Chandra symbols. So for the sun um, at Cancer, 22 degrees, we have a young woman awaiting a sailboat, the longing for transcendent happiness in the soul open to great dreams. Here the symbol pictures the imaginative 
youthful person who basically cannot be satisfied with what his or her ordinary social environment offers and who instead is longing for the unknown. This is very um, two of wands-ish. Um, for the unknown visitation of which he or she has dreamed. From the unconscious beyond the concretization of a spiritual image, spiritual being impelled by the wind, Numa spirit, is hoped for and expected. The beloved may come, not in a glittering opera house, but in the silence of the inner sea of consciousness. At the second stage of this fivefold sequence, the contrast with the first is strongly marked. Will the great dream become concrete? Will the emotion ready to well up in response to the advent have its chance? Will the expectancy of the eternal feminine be rewarded with reality? So we desire community. We desire to be connected with one another and we desire these opportunities to feel this inner sense of, of wholeness um, and, and happiness beyond what we presently see as possible and are waiting for that thing to show up um, to do that for us. But I think that's the problem, right? We're waiting for someone else to show up, to tell us that we did it right, that we said it right, instead of creating uh, this path in which we have made this happiness for ourselves. Um, the other part of this symbols, um, being the moon in Aries at 22 degrees, the gate to the garden of all fulfilled desires. So it shows right here within these two symbols that this, uh, this desire for that thing to be, to be there. Um, but the moon in Aries shows that the key to it. And so this other person that you're likely talking to, um, or experiencing is showing you that it's in you. The gate to the garden of all fulfilled desires, abundance made possible by human togetherness and cooperation. So someone is showing you that you sitting in your embodiment and sitting within your truth, you merging with these ideals and not getting lost in them, but seeing them as an opportunity to align with a new story that is again centered around embodiment rather than performing is what's going to get you there. In contrast to the crude and cruel road to fame and power symbolized by the prize fighter, we now see a symbol of apparently wide open and effortless fulfillment. Alone, a human being can barely survive in nature's great life drama. In organized groups, men can in due time fulfill their desires. The abundant life is in theory open to all. At least this is the ideal, the great dream. This symbol can also be a, given an erotic meaning referring to womanhood. I don't even want to, to go there. At the second stage of the series of symbols, the goal of happiness dominates the consciousness of cultural man. The more validity, so the more modest his desires, religious philosophies like new American New Thought glorify this social feeling of abundance, glamorizing it into an 
cosmic optimism and a cult of success. I think it's really nice that both of these symbols really speak to that Neptunian, like unseen force um, that allows and, and, and facilitates um, beauty of experience that can manifest physically when we work in tandem with one another and we work to truly value our own happiness, right? And our own sovereignty and our own freedom in thought and being not at the expense of other people. Um, and so, you know, when we move from performance to embodiment, um, we can see how our performance was harmful and how there were so many things that we didn't see or that we looked over um, a little bit later in the day or within this. So while all of this is there and while I'm talking about this energy in this really beautiful way, it's important to mention that there is a T-square between the moon and Jupiter and the sun, right? So moon square Jupiter um, I think it's wanting, so moon sitting in Aries, it's about your feelings, defending what you feel, right? Having this perimeter and boundary around what you feel. I think the thing with moon and Aries and how it can kind of manifest is we're either really angry at other people um, because we feel like what we feel is being infringed upon, or we are overly aware of the fact that we have a lot of emotional needs for ourselves and we completely abandon them and fight for everyone else's feelings at the expense of our own, right? Um, or we don't acknowledge the breadth of how vulnerable we can be and when people push us to a space in which we are vulnerable, we can get very upset and defensive. So with a square to Jupiter, Jupiter and Capricorn demonstrating for us collectively the privileges that we have based on the current systems and structures that exist within our world can be very easy to feel like our individual experiences and our feelings are being discounted or minimized um, or that they have to be put on the back burner for that, right? And so I think at its worst, not its worst, but at its most difficult, you can be very like, what about me? What about me? What about me? Um, but in other ways, it can be this discomfort where it's like, okay, I need to put aside what I feel to be able to examine this. Like, yes, what I feel matters and it is in conflict and it is a little bit uncomfortable and tense um, with the privileges that are being exposed to me. Um, it's it's showing where we are resisting our privilege and ultimately resisting an opportunity to grow outside of these structures. It's important to note that Jupiter is in fall. Uh, is that the word? No, is in detriment when it is in Capricorn. So it is uh, an, uh, we're being asked to grow in a fixed container in a way, right? or you only being used to being in a fixed container and then being told it's time to grow. So it does make it a little bit unnerving, especially when you're, it, it also puts in perspective that there is a lot of hard work, 
a lot of hard long-term work that one has to do to be able to grow um, and expand beyond the boundaries that they have. On the 13th, um, we have moon square Pluto. So again, it is this butting heads with uh, power and it is this very kind of, um, you know, Pluto aspects can be very triggering. And I think it kind of calls us to, it calls into our awareness you know, where we really struggle with what we feel. Uh, Moon and Pluto is about the things that we don't want to feel. So it is really kind of stressing the because of what we feel and because we refuse to be vulnerable, there's so much, especially kind of shadow parts of ourselves in relation to privilege, maybe things that we've done or said that we really, really want to push away that we don't want to be held um, accountable for. It's also, so to kind of quote um, Sue Tompkins, um, she talks about this in relation to emotional blackmail. So it could also be that someone outside of us is holding something that we've said or done um, to us over our head, or in some instances, it feels like that's what's happening because again, we refuse to be vulnerable enough um, to be wrong. Um, So much of this energy is about being wrong Um, and having to be okay with being wrong and needing to know that you need to learn and this really deep internal struggle that we have when we're being asked to leave behind the performances and truly embody you know our value system um, and and really make it a part of our core beliefs mars is also going to be conjunct chiron on this day Um, which I think adds another layer of that where there can be this defensiveness because it's like, I don't, I am hurting a lot or I'm feeling a lot. And this is really intense and I don't want to do that. I am being cracked open in a way that makes me really, really uncomfortable and makes me question, you know, my identity. It makes me question my passion. It makes me question what I'm doing. It makes me feel insecure about my identity, about what I'm doing, about how I'm trying to survive, about how I'm trying to exist. It can create and generate a lot of um, defensiveness and anger and frustration or even if you're someone who do, has a very difficult time dealing with anger, it's this moment in which you, I think, you know, at the root of anger is sadness. And it is an opportunity to really be able to explore that sadness. And it's a, in a way that is, is again, is very raw um, and, and vulnerable. Mar, what was I going to say? don't remember my god the on the other hand for those who have 
you know, we have relationships with planets that are multifaceted. So Chiron also is a teach is teaching is a teachable moment too. So it also is an opportunity if you're someone who has done a lot of work around identity um, and embodying yourself, you feel very called to to share and offer. So it also could be a day in which you learn a lot from other people in a good way or a bad way about your own relationship to anger, about your relationship to yourself, um, about your advocacy. And I think it's really important to note, is your advocacy for you um, or is it for other people or is it both, right? Um, and, and being able to kind of see where that comes from. Um, and again, it's the, the defensiveness is the part that will be kind of difficult. In the afternoon, the moon is going to move into Taurus and there will be lots of trines and sextiles um, over the coming days um, that will make it uh, provide the emotional support um, and stability, but also a degree of stubbornness, but also opportunity um, that you need to kind of deal with this week. This week is definitely very, especially during cancer season, whenever we're experiencing things with the moon, it can just feel so much more intense, right? Because the sun is answering to the moon. Um, and so this is a week in which those emotional ups and downs will be felt. Um, and you'll kind of be taken for a ride all the way up until Leo season, which will start next week, right? So on the 14th, we're going to have sun in Cancer um, opposite Jupiter and Capricorn. So again, this is about our relationship to privilege. And it is about, in some way or another, not necessarily wanting to see that. Um, And there is this kind of frustration that we may feel uh, with this, with this aspect in particular, um, and the coming days and the next week, as the sun is going to be opposite all of the outer planets, right? Or opposite Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn in that order. And so it is about not wanting to see that. The thing about oppositions is that usually one end of the spectrum, we've, we've worked it out a little bit better than the other. Um, and so again, it can be like, well, what about my feelings? And like, I'm emotional and this is really intense for me and I'm learning a lot and here are my boundaries and, you know, it it's kind of refusing in some sense to see again where you hold power, where you held power. For some people, it could be that you're examining this in relation to some of the, some things that have already happened. But this also provides you the the opportunity to be very visionary and to be able to step outside of yourself knowing that you do have um, particular privileges. And it's like, because I do, this is what this allows me to be able to do. But again, but going back to the idea of what story that you're merging with, you have to be sure that the direction that you're moving into, that's the challenge during the waning portion of the moon is in service of uh, ushering in the highest good of all people. So again, that's why it it really takes a, um, 
a lot of self-awareness um, over this week not to get caught in this I feel bad for myself or like I'm doing this because I feel bad for you but because it's like no I have a very strong conviction about the emotional well-being of myself and this world and I believe that we can grow a world that operates outside of a fixed container about what is of what is possible and so this is an opportunity to really expand um, and chase after and envision um, a world in which community uh, can be centered um, and being able to expand the possibility of the ways that we can be in service to one another. And so again, thinking about that in terms of what you feel is possible for you to do. With Sun opposite Pluto, another fun one, there is this immense amount of personal power that we possess. But I think again, in the same way that it's like, I'm not privileged, or I don't see this as a privilege. It is this back and forth, that kind of very deep internal fight that one has with coming into an understanding of their personal power. Um, but also coming into the awareness of their personal power in relation to the ways that power has been stripped away from them. So it is this opportunity to see that both of those things are true and both of those things are possible. One of the things that I'll say about what kind of came to my mind as I was typing these notes was the end of the Lord of the Rings. The nerd is jumping out um, in which Sam and Frodo are finally like, this sounds so funny saying this, but bear with me when they are finally going, you know, they finally made it to Mount Doom or wherever they're supposed to go to drop off this ring in this lava so that they can just end all of this nonsense. And Sam is like, dude, like, just what are you waiting for? Like, just drop it. Like we literally took this entire adventure. People have died right? People have been oppressed. We have faced so much hardship, uh, personal, uh, interpersonal, mental, physical, emotional, because of this thing. And now we have an opportunity for it to be over. Can you just throw it away? And what does Frodo do? He turns around and he says, no. And it's like, what? Like we went through this entire journey. Like we did all of this. This is the eclipse speaking. We had this entire adventure where you saw that this is exactly what you don't want just so that we can sit here and continue to live in this exact same story. Are you kidding me? And of course, eventually Frodo, the, the ring goes into the thing because, you know, anyway, watch Lord of the Rings. Um... <laughs> The ring eventually becomes destroyed. But I think the ring, and we think about what it's representative of, of this very large oppressive structure of power. And in this moment, of course, the thing with the ring is that the person who is holding on to it becomes, you know, psychologically attached to it and manipulated, um, like psychologically by it. Uh, to the point in which they want to possess this power and so it's like the same power that we've seen throughout the movie right that someone is seeking 
will destroy them. And in this journey, even to destroy this power, Frodo is kind of going back and forth with being consumed by his desire to want it. It's very King of Swords energy. Um, sorry for all the uh, tarot references. It's just very in my face this week. Um, and so it, that is the fight, right? Where it's like there is a higher purpose that goes beyond even just you and what it is that you want. And this requires very strong emotional conviction from you to be able to uh, see what power is and how it exists in the world and not be consumed by it, right? Because that's the thing with um, our privilege sometimes is that we think when we don't see it, it means that it's not there. Um, But what we find is that we can still act from that place And we do so unconsciously to the point in which it is destructive. And so this is a week in which some of those things will, again, you will experience it in real life or are revisiting it um, through conversations with people about things that you've done or have happened or whatever it may be. But it's a great week to embody privilege, Uh, not embody privilege. Oh, my God, to to move towards embodiment. And so it's having these very difficult internal conversations and, and, and external conversations that, like I said, the waning moon cycle is like, I'm going to, we're going to do this whether you want to or not, and I'm going to take you there, you know? I think one of the things that I thought about, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, the... Again, I don't believe, I believe we use planetary energies how we want to um, and based off our level of consciousness. And so don't ever think that this is a, a punishment. It's it's always is an opportunity. And we'll kind of get into that at the end as we wrap things up. July 16th through the 17th, um, the moon is moving into Gemini early in the morning. Um, it will be conjunct Venus um, it will be a nice day. Um, it will, it, for me, I mean, everyone is impacted by different moon phases differently or different moon and different signs. I love moon and Gemini. Um, I think it will be a good day to journal and it's a good day in which all feelings in terms of what we're feeling inside and, but also what we're feeling externally, um, it's a good day to to make sense um, of that in a very kind of fun loving way. It's a great day to journal. It's a good day to learn something new. Um, but I would say in the day during those couple of days, expect there to be this pressure that you can't quite put your finger on, right? So I think it's important to note that all of these things that you experienced in the days before are still sitting in the background, but you may not necessarily be able to kind of conceptualize or understand them in that way but the great thing is that we have the moon re-entering cancer um in the days afterwards um which will give you another opportunity to re-examine and navigate um what you were experiencing we what we learn about our emotional world may not seem to make sense um, or relate to some of the things that happened during the week again i do think venus conjunct the moon will add a sense of ease Moon and Mercury will be in mutual reception and signs that don't see each other. 
Um, so I think one of the important things and caveats that I'll provide is don't overshare gossip or start shit because you are emotionally stirred or confused. Um, it definitely is a day in which we can kind of fall into, um, you know, I'm just going to talk, 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 and talk or consume too much media or information, um, because we're experiencing a lot inside that's making us very uncomfortable. The moon will move into from July 18th to 19th. The moon will move into Cancer, and there will, again, like I said, a final opportunity to really navigate um, what we're experiencing emotionally in a way that's like, ah, okay, yeah. So we have that second new moon on the 20th, which is really great. Um, you know, with new moons, it can be very difficult to see ourselves. Um, it is so much about what we want. Um, and usually we don't have the opportunity to see ourselves until about six months later, um, when we experience the full moon. And so it'll be a great opportunity to see how we've grown emotionally. Um, and in the days after we will have an opportunity to revisit and re-examine our relationship to authority and systems, um, when the sun is opposite Saturn, um, and we will be able to kind of see, um, what we've reaped or what we can reap through denying um, the roles that we play within these systems by performing and not embodying. And so uh, it hopefully will be a time in which we feel empowered um, emotionally and like we can handle that heaviness and like we can heavy that handle that weight, um, which will be very exciting. To go back to, and I'm going to reread um, our little thing from the I Ching. Hunger. Rejecting hunger. Persisting brings misfortune. In 10 years, never useful. This lacks a beneficial purpose. Not acknowledging one's desire. Going on with this makes things not go well. This can keep going on for years and it's really of no use. So like we living in this system naturally have this desire to, I think this is going to be kind of uncomfortable to talk about, but like in some ways or another, we have to admit to ourselves that we've wanted to have uh, more power. Um, in some ways we wanted to be able to exert our, our power and authority over people to avoid being subject to the power and authority of other people. That being said, this causes us not to empathize or understand with other people, right? Um, or we find ourselves, um, embodying, um, structures um, isms, eas, uh, that allow us to do that. And so having the perspective of our privilege will put in perspective for us where we're not doing enough, um, and where we've played this games with ourselves and ultimately hurt other people and hurt ourselves and, and being able to know that there's no pain, like the thing about like emotional awareness and this kind of demonstrates to me the difficulty that we have with embodying the 
the Scorpio archetype is like when we acknowledge certain feelings or perspective changes that we're being ushered into, it can feel like death. It can really, really hurt. Uh, or more so the idea of accepting something that we've done wrong can hurt because we live in a system that, you know, it isn't about healing justice. It's, it's punitive, right? It's about punishing people. And so again, going back to the, you know, this isn't about being punished. This is about realizing where we truly have been and, and how like beyond what we say, how we've refused to, to not show up for each other. And I think if I can offer, you know, actual advice that I would give, you know, give yourself a lot of compassion this week. This is a week to practice compassion with yourself as you're navigating some very difficult um, realities about how you've occupied space in this world. And while it is not your fault, right? That the world is, well, to, let's not go there. I'm not going to say it's not our fault that the world is the way it is, but like, cause to, you know, anyway, it, 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 it will be your fault if you don't do anything. Right. And so like, there is this kind of, when we're performing, we fear being called out or being isolated from people. We fear that we will be punished. We feel that we will never be forgiven. When we are embodied, our values and our beliefs mean more than any of those things. And we can trust that we will always be held and supported by our people. Whoever those people are. Remember the question at the beginning of the cancer season was, who are your people? (gasps) Why is that important? Because you'll need those people right now. Those are the people that you turn to. Yeah. I'm going to put, um, let me put a note of this pod mapping. If you haven't done already is something that you should totally do. And it's something that I'll do with y'all. I've done it in my mind. I haven't written it down. I should totally write it down. This is in a sense, a sense of reliving or working towards holding yourselves accountable for how you've showed up in the world realizing that what you feel and experience is not in a vacuum you're not just a person you know when people are like the whole meme or whatever around like no you live in a society and it's like no we all live in a society boo right like none of us exist in a vacuum this is an opportunity to deepen your allegiance to your values on the subtle level and allow it to radiate externally by the end of the year So again, back to what I was saying at the beginning about yoga um, and being able to uh, breathe into the flexibility and the range that exists within your body and to be able to expand beyond that. We're having an opportunity to, this is is emotional yoga that we're doing right now Um, on the, again, subtle level, radiating out into the emotional body. beyond um beyond our what we perceive to be our sphere of of influence right it's it's into the koshas um out into the koshas there is this um piece that prentice hemphill wrote um called letting go of innocence that i'm going to share 
as in addition to the pod mapping piece. I think that's all I want to share. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening this week. Um, exciting thing, I've finally launched a Patreon. Woo! Oh my gosh, so exciting. Are you cheering? Yeah, you're cheering. Cool, awesome. I'm cheering too. So you have the option of becoming, well, at this time, you have the option of becoming a sustaining someone who helps to sustain the existing content that I have. Later on in the year, I will start to create um, additional things and add additional tiers. But for now, that is what the capacity that I have to do. Um, so if you're interested in doing so, you can do that. And as I've said before, if you'd like to make a one-time or you know two-time sustaining donation to my work, I always appreciate that. Um, it allows me to get the technology that I need to make this podcast possible, um, and to expand the way that I do my work. So thank you so much for listening this week. Have an amazing week and I will talk to you next Sunday.